0: That perfect gift, the one that you are maybe still hoping arrives under your tree this year. Maybe it's the one that you are still searching for and still have just a little bit of time to find it. Maybe it's the one that you found and it's already wrapped and you are eagerly awaiting just the expression on the face of the recipient. Christmas has always been about finding that Perfect gift or receiving that perfect gift. Even if you think, think of your favorite movies, whether or not it's Turbo Man or whether it's a Red Rider BB gun or whether you even envision how cool it would be to have your boss in your living room with a red bow on him. We all envision that perfect gift. And so tonight I want you just to think about that just for a couple of moments. You see, sometimes when we come into Christmas Eve service, we have this tension between the, the secular and the spiritual. And so we'll think about gifts tomorrow, but tonight we think about Jesus. Or when we come to Christmas Eve, we uh, try to simplify, and we know that tomorrow or the next day is going to get all super complex, but for tonight, everything is nostalgic and, and beautiful and simple. But, but I want to give you permission tonight to think about that perfect gift. That's where our story takes place around. It's the most significant detail in a story that was written in 1905. $1.87. It's not a whole lot today, and maybe it was a bit more back then, but it still was a meager amount. You see, inside of the apartment of Della Young and her husband, James Dillingham Young, things were quite modest. They lived on James, James's salary of $20 a week, and, it, and she can remember just a few months earlier, it had been $30 a week, but now they managed just to get by on $20 a week. And so today is Christmas Eve, and Della pulls together everything that she's been saving, and, and sometimes a penny here and a penny there at the grocery store. And she comes up with just about $1 and 87 cents what would she get for her wonderful adoring hard working husband jim with $1.87 she sits back down on the couch and somewhat exasperated she thinks what could i possibly do now but she's thought about this for a little while and so eventually she musters up the courage and she grabs her coat and she puts on her hat and she sets out to buy Jim a Christmas gift. Now, before we go any further, there are two prized possessions. They didn't have much, but there are two prized possessions in the young household. The first is Jim's watch. Jim's gold watch that had been passed down to him from his dad and from his grandfather. It was a magnificent watch that age had not taken away any of the luster or how stunning this watch was. The only thing that you would notice is that the watch seemed to overshadow and not necessarily fit with the weathered leather strap it was attached to. The second valuable item inside of their household was not necessarily an item, but it was the hair that belonged to Della that went down to her knees. Her long, brown, beautiful hair that many women wished that they could uh, grow and keep belong to Della. And so on this Christmas Eve afternoon, she puts on her hat and coat, and she uh, begins to head down the block, and the place where she stops is a storefront that says, Madame sophroni 's hair shop. We buy hair. And she walks in, and again, she, she's been debating this and debating this, but she says, will you buy my hair? And Uh, The madam looks it over and says, absolutely, $20. Her only response is, do it quickly. With $20 and now to add to the $1.87, she heads down into town. And she looks for the next two hours for the perfect gift for her gym, and, and then she sees it in a store window. It is a long gold chain that would... Really, just go with it. It was the only thing that could possibly complement the watch. Uh, it was brilliant, it was wonderful, and it cost $21. Proud of herself, she takes the little box and she, she puts it in her coat pocket and she hurries back home and she puts the, the coffee on and she prepares the, the chops that have been bought for Christmas Eve, expecting that her husband would be home right around seven o'clock. You see, he's never late. And she begins to hear the footsteps in the hallway, and she knows that, that Jim is home, and she can hardly contain herself. That, and uh, the, the door opens, and he walks in, and there is just a blank stare. A blank stare that the author says would remind you of uh, an Irish setter that is caught in the, the scent of a quail. His eyes aren't moving, and they're fixed on Della. It's not a look of disappointment. It's not a look of anger. It's not even really a look of surprise. It's just a blank, haunting, steady stare. Already a little bit self-conscious and thinking that she looks like a schoolgirl or a schoolboy, Della says, "Uh, Jim, it'll grow grow back. Jim, it was the only thing that I could do. I had no money to buy you a gift. Jim, please don't be mad at me. I, I hope that you still think that I'm pretty. After what seemed like an eternity of a stare, Jim finally breaks the silence and he says, Della, nothing could ever question my love for you or that you are the prettiest girl in town. But you see, my stare and my shock was due to the fact, well, why don't you just open the package that I bought for you and it'll all make perfect sense. Excited like any of us to get that perfect gift Uh, Della tears right into the package and opens it, and there they are, the porcelain combs that she had seen inside of a Broadway store. The kind of combs not like today that we would use for preparing our hair, but the kind of combs that are used to adorn hair that would have just looked spectacular inside of Della's long brown hair, those porcelain combs that Jim had sacrificed to buy for her. And now she senses his shock and his long stare. Oh, Jim, they're beautiful. You know how I've talked about these, how I've wanted these. And and let me just remind you, honey, my hair really does grow back quickly. Inside of the enormity of the moment, she almost forgot about her own gift. And then she catches herself and she says, oh, but wait here. And she goes and she gets the little box and she brings it to her gym, and he opens it, and again, there is a look of just silence and a steady stare. As Jim pulls out the gold chain, and he puts it back in the box, and he says, Dell, these gifts are too perfect. Let's leave them for another time. Maybe it's time for supper. For you see, the money that I used to buy you the combs was gained with the fact that I sold the watch. Do You know, inside of that moment, the author O. Henry, and this was written in 1905, uh, says that you would look from the outside and say how tragic, how ironic, how almost comical that two people would trade away their most valuable possessions and it would look like foolishness when it all comes full circle. But O. Henry says maybe there is a picture of love Maybe there's a picture here. In fact, the short story is entitled The Gift of the Magi. Oh, Henry says maybe the gifts that the Magi brought were not simply gifts that could be uh, equally exchanged or traded or transferred, but maybe there is something inside of what the bearer brings that would almost seem foolishness inside of the moment. And then he says this about this young couple in this modest apartment They truly gave inside of that moment. They are the Magi. You see, it's all about that perfect gift. And I'm not necessarily talking about what you might get or hope to get or what you've gotten or hope to get for someone else. But you know and I know that when we celebrate Christmas, we think about the greatest gift that has ever been given inside the person of Jesus Christ. We've read the Christmas story already tonight. We've thought about the, the shepherds and, and Mary and Joseph, and we've journeyed over the past few weeks considering these characters, but do you know the final character of Christmas is you, and it's me? Because Christmas is a historical event that took place 2,000 years ago, and our faith is rooted in history and events that actually happened but also, Christmas happened 2,000 years ago so that it makes possible each and every year and even throughout the year that we have the opportunity to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given, that perfect gift. The gift that Paul says seems like foolishness to those who are perishing, but but to us who belong to him. It's the gift of God and eternal life. Do you know perhaps the most quoted verse and the most well-known verse inside of scripture, in John chapter 3, says, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. If you want to boil down the message of Christmas, it's just that, that for, for hundreds of years they had waited and they had hoped and they had longed for a Messiah. Yes, said it in the person of Jesus, born to a young couple inside of a manger, hope sprang. Yes, it's the fact that that little baby, you know, 30 years later would lay down his life for you and for me. But when you really boil down the message of Christmas, God so loved the world, which is you and me, so loved the world that had uh, forsaken him and turned its back on him. God so loved the world that he gave. Christmas has always been about giving. And even though sometimes we wrestle through, should it be about the presents, or should it be about the carols, or should we simplify, or should we do more, should we do less? I think that there is something that if we really tap into that which makes us want to give to the people around us to express our affection, our appreciation, our love, there is something inside of that that represents and reflects the heart of God. Because the most quoted verse inside of the New Testament, God so loved the world that he gave, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Another verse we thought about earlier tonight, inside of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul simply says, praise or thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Praise be to God for his indescribable gift. so it's all about that perfect gift. Over the next couple of days, as you open gifts, as you give gifts, I hope that there are a few things that just reverberate inside of your mind that you think about uh, that maybe apply locally inside of your family situations, but maybe even more so extend inside of your soul and your relationship with God. I want to remind you three things that you know to be true about a great gift. A great gift is always personal. It's not simply something that is ordered or bought, but usually there is thought, there, there is intention behind it, and no matter how difficult it was to obtain, there is something that is personal in every great gift. A great gift is personal. And we've said throughout these four weeks that Christmas is relational and that Christmas is personal. Personal. And that God so loved you that he gave his son for you. It's personal. We get into tr- trouble sometimes when we let it be external, when we let it be about for God so loved the world and not so God so loved Mike that he gave. Christmas is meant to be experienced personally. I wonder if that's one of the reasons he came in the manner in which he did because it was intensely personal. It was not institutional, it was not inside of a palace, but it was inside of the most intimate setting you could possibly find, the most ordinary setting you could possibly find. Christmas is personal. A great gift is personal. The second thing that I've figured out about a great gift is that it always costs something. For the person that bears the gift, it always costs something. And maybe that cost is not financial, maybe that cost is effort and energy and trying to keep it a secret, but you know when somebody goes to great lengths to give a gift for somebody else, there is a part of them wrapped up in that thing that is eventually unwrapped because it costs something. And before we ever fast forward to the cross, you know that in Philippians chapter 2 it says uh, that he emptied himself. That he left the very throne room of heaven to enter into Bethlehem's manger for you and for me. And there is an emptying that took place. That God emptied himself, humbled himself, stepped into our world, and it cost something. And it continued to cost something To eventually it cost him his reputation and the people around him. And his very life. Because a great gift always costs something. Not always is it personal, not always it cost something, but I think a great gift always brings a blessing. It always unleashes something inside of the heart of the recipient that maybe it's an overstatement to say that they're never the same again, but you know the impact that a great gift has upon somebody. The tragedy could be that we experience Christmas once a year and, and we sing the songs and we re- rehearse the lines and and we do all all the motions, and we even focus in and say that Jesus is the reason, Uh, but yet on December 26th or 28th or January 10th, we go right back and we live according to the same patterns as before. But if Christmas is personal and if it costs him everything, it should make a difference then inside of how I live and how I structure my life. It's all about the perfect gift. And I don't know what awaits you underneath your tree over the next 48 hours or so. But I pray that inside of your heart, there's room for the greatest gift that's ever been given. That there's hope inside of your life because of what Jesus has come to do. There is grace that is activated inside of your life to make a difference in the things that you can't possibly change about yourself. There is grace to wipe it clean. There is fellowship with God. There is a peace that passes understanding. There there are all sorts of things that begin to happen inside of our lives because of the greatest gift that's ever been given. After I pray, we're going to take time and sing Silent Night together. And I know it's not the same. I wish that you could be here inside of this room and we could lower the lights and we could light candles together and, and we could experience that. But I wonder if just like that first Christmas, in the ordinary, in the small, inside of homes, you have the opportunity tonight to still lower the lights. Maybe you have candles that you picked up from church. Maybe you have candles that are just around. Maybe you just, uh, you know, you forgot about that, and that's okay because you can lower all the lights, but the lights on the Christmas tree, whatever you want to do. But inside of this moment, like Paul says, we... Thank and praise God for his indescribable gift in Jesus because God so loved the world that he gave. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that on this night we recognize your great love for us, that that love was demonstrated, that that love was extended in such a way that before we ever could acknowledge it and even though we didn't deserve it, there was something about that love that it extended to us in a powerful and in a meaningful way. We thank you tonight for Jesus. We thank you tonight for the reality that the greatest gift that's ever been given was given for us, and it makes all the difference in the world. And so I would pray that even over these next couple of days as we wrap or as we open or as we even just consider the gifts either that we are giving or that we've gotten, it would cause us again just to reflect upon who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you tonight that it's personal. We thank you tonight for the price that you paid on our behalf. And our prayer is, Lord, that you would continue to make a difference, to rework and reorient us from the inside out to be people who look more like you because of what you've done for us. In these next moments, would you come and meet us? Lord, even though it's different, Lord, inside of our homes, inside of uh, the places where we are, Lord, would you focus our attention upon that manger and that child who's been given for us this night? We ask and we pray these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen.